Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We've been in uh, the book of Acts for for several weeks, and then we had, uh, man, we did baptisms here at our campus. Um, And so what we wanted to do uh, is kind of pivot a little bit and take this as an opportunity to talk about, man, what does it mean to walk it out, right? So we have people in our church, right, new life in Christ. And so, yes, we want to talk about, uh, we want to talk about this for their benefit, but I think it benefits all of us to have a greater perspective of of what does it look like to, to truly walk this thing out, how to walk out life together, but even more broadly, how do we walk out this relationship with Jesus? And so for me, this is something that I care deeply about because for so long in my journey, um, I didn't have I didn't have an example. I didn't know necessarily how to walk it out myself. And so we want to be really clear um, here in this series. And so I'm really excited about that. So let me let me pray for us and we'll and we'll dive straight in. Lord, we are grateful uh, for the chance to be here today, for the chance to fellowship. Uh, together. Uh, and Lord, we're grateful, Lord, that you are our shepherd. And your word says that, that, that your sheep knows your voice. And so, Lord, we need to hear your voice today. So, Lord, would you, would you speak to us, Lord? Would you reveal things to us, Holy Spirit? Would you be active um, in this place today? We pray these things in us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, listen, as I was preparing for this message, um, I, I, I thought about some things as it relates to what it was like for me growing up, right? Some of you guys have heard a little bit of my story. Uh, man, stay with my father. Um, and uh, he, he was a pretty strict guy, right? He had a pretty strict ground rules and kind of he, he ran a tight ship, right? So, um, and so when I was growing up, man, think about maybe middle school years, right? Uh, and, and, and say I had a friend, say his name was Jacob, right? That's made up, never had, well, had a few friends named Jacob. But this is what I'm talking about. Not in, not in middle school. Had a friend named Jacob. And so I would see Jacob's life. And so Jacob got to do some things that I did not get a chance to do. And, and Jacob got to experience some things and go some places that, that I did not get a chance to go to and had, got a chance to stay out a little bit later than I had an opportunity of staying out. And so every now and then when I would, would feel uh, bold, you know, I would go to my father and I maybe would make a request as if I could do something or experience something, and, and he would say no. And then, um, then I would say, but, but Jacob, dot, 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 right? And then, and then for which my father would proceed to say, I don't care about what Jacob got going on in his house. I got to translate and make it appropriate for church. I don't care what Jacob is doing. Basically, I don't care what your teachers say. I don't care what's going on in school. But what you're going to do is you're going to do what I say. And then when you leave this house, you got the last name Davis, and you're going to represent the Davis name. That's what you're going to do, right? And that's what it was. And then if I was feeling really bold, and I even pressed it a little bit more further, he would say, well, then you can go live with Jacob then. Go live with Jacob. See how Jacob lives. See if Jacob gets an allowance. See if Jacob gets the things that he wants. See if Jacob has a parent that cares for him. See if Jacob is, is, is doing all these things to support um, uh, his parents, is doing all the things that he needs to support the family. Like, go live with Jacob then if you want to go do what Jacob do so bad, right? So what, what my father is saying is that as long as you're in this house, there's a certain way that you are going to behave. 
And then what he was also alluding to, he didn't say it in these terms. What he's saying is that, and that for you to do something different would be you uh, leaving and uh, forfeiting the covering that I provide for you that you may not be aware of, right? And so, um, so parents, you might want to nudge a kid and say, listen to Pastor Leonard right now, because uh, it's, tr- it's true. So, so he, he said, this is what it is. You're going to do what I say. And then there's a covering that you necessarily probably don't understand, but that, that, that you experience as a result of being in this household. And so as I think about that, I think about also what, what God expects of us because we are a part of the kingdom of God. And there's some similarities from, from what, what my father would expect of me as being a member of his household to what maybe God expects of us um, as we are a part of, of his kingdom. So let me not get too far. I want to. I want to go quick. I want to go to um, man. What is the kingdom of God? What 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 does that look like? And so we can we can talk about that. There's there's three things, and I'm gonna talk about that when when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. Three things that the Bible could be referencing when it talks about the kingdom of God. Right. Number one is this. Right. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ, an eternal sovereign God over all the universe. Right. So make no mistake about it. Jesus. Jesus is king, right? Uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 1, when it says that Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the age to come. So, so the kingdom of God is this, is this rule and reign that Jesus has over the, entire, over the entire world and over the entire universe, and so what Jesus did is he, he came down from heaven, he came to, to be with us, and he defeated, he defeated sin, he defeated Satan, and he defeated, he defeated death. And so now as a result of what Jesus did on the cross, right, now there's an ability, right, because he removed the penalty of sin, now Jesus can reign in our hearts, which is that second point, right, this, this spiritual rule over the hearts and the lives of those who, are, who willingly submit to God's authority, right? The second thing. And so, and so now, um, so God, God Jesus, he, he reigns over the earth and all the universe. And so how does he exercise that reign over the universe? He, he does it through people who have submitted their, their lives and their hearts willingly to God's authority, right? And so, um, and so, so what we do is, is we have us, we're, we're here, the people that, 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 that Jesus rules and reigns over our hearts and over our lives, and, and we're gathered together as a church, and we are charged um, with, with doing the work of the kingdom, right? So the work of the kingdom being, uh, man, we, we bring order to chaos. We, we shed light in dark places. We, we are reconciling uh, man to God, right? These are, these are, are the kingdom things, and so... Um, so there's, there's this reign, and Jesus is here, and he, he lives in us, and so, so anywhere we are, the kingdom is present, right? Anywhere there are people that submit to the authority of Jesus, right, the kingdom of God is in the midst, right? So because we're here gathered together, we're under the authority of Jesus, the kingdom of God is right here, and we have a responsibility to do the work of the kingdom, and then also, so that's the, that's what the reality we live in now. There is a spiritual rule. There is a, a spiritual reign, but Jesus said that he's going to come back again. And when he comes back again, it will be the beginning of his physical reign over the entire universe. And then that's when we will experience the new heaven, the new heavens, and then the, the new earth. So that, that time is coming. But the third thing that the Bible refers to when it talks about the kingdom of God, he's, 
it's talking about this, this blessing, the blessing and the advantages that flow from living under God's authority, right? This aspect that, that we can experience God's kingdom right now. And there are benefits to, to being inside of God's kingdom, right? You look at Jesus and everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus was trying to accomplish, he was establishing his kingdom. And so then we can surmise that, oh, these things must be a part of the kingdom. We look at healing. We look at uh, a restoration. We look at the ability to be transformed. We look at the fact that they called it the upside-down kingdom, where, where the, the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And so if I'm born uh, of a certain status in society, there is hope for me in God's kingdom for me to be elevated because we see that's what Jesus was up to, Right? And so all these things are benefits of of God's kingdom. And so what we see in the book of Acts is we see that that Paul, when he is sharing the gospel, when uh, when he's starting these communities of faith, we saw that the kingdom of God was important to him as well. So if we look at at Acts and we look at chapter 19, we look at verse verse 8, right, we get a glimpse into what Paul was up to. Um, he, at this point, he was in he was in Ephesus, right? So, so Damascus for experience, right? Paul goes to share the gospel. He has these missionary journeys, and so he comes to Ephesus. Um, he's speaking in the synagogue, and here's what it says: Then he entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So, Paul. It says for three months, but I would imagine he was there for a total of two years. I would imagine that, that Paul was talking about the kingdom of God. And so, so how this would work is Paul would, uh, he would establish a church. He would appoint elders over and to, to lead that church. And then, and then Paul would move off to the next city or the next town. And then Paul, would, would, he was concerned about how the churches were doing. And Paul would begin to, to get knowledge about what's going on in the churches. And, and, and what Paul would want to do, Paul is a guy that likes to pull up. I'm that guy. Like, I would much rather pull up on you than to give you a phone call. Like, I, if I'm in the office with you, I'm not going to shoot you an email. I'm going to just come to your office, right? If I can't get a hold of you by phone, I really want to just pull up and knock at your door. Say, knock, knock, open up. I've been trying to get a hold of you, right? Paul was the same way. Paul said, man, I'm going to pull up. But, but if he couldn't pull up, then Paul said, okay, well, let, let, me, send, let me send a delegate, right? Uh, let, me, let me send a Timothy. And if he couldn't do that, or, or if things were just too dire, what Paul would do is he would write a letter to the church. And so the, these epistles that we see in the New Testament, it's Paul saying, ah, I wish I could be there with you in person. You even see it, he talks about it in the beginning of, of some of his letters. Oh, how I long to be with you. But, so he would write a letter. So, so he's been to Ephesus, spent some time there. He must have heard something that was going on. And so he writes a letter to the Ephesian church. And so we, we see even the language that Paul uses when he writes to the, the church at Ephesus, right? Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 Verse 19 says this, so, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. And he's talking to Gentiles, by the way, right? Paul's primary ministry was, was to Gentile believers, people that, that, that did not have a, a Jewish background. And so he's talking to, to Gentiles. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. The word alien there is per work. Per, I always get, I get this tongue tied. Uh, peroikos, which is without citizenship in God's kingdom. 
So we can read this by saying this. So then you are no longer strangers and without citizenship in God's kingdom um, uh, with the saints and members of the household of God. So, so you're no longer strangers, you're no longer aliens, but you are now fellow citizens, excuse me, with the saints and members of the household of God. So, so we see this kingdom language, and, and there's also a new word there. It talks about citizens. And so what we're talking about today, we're talking about the kingdom of God, but more specifically, we're talking about kingdom citizenship. So the word kingdom and the word citizenship, right, those things are familiar with to us. We we, are, we exist inside of different government entities, right? So, so we understand what it means to, to dwell in one of those. And then we are citizens of a government entity. And so we have an understanding of what it means to be a, a citizen of a country. And so, so what we're going to do is we're going to use our knowledge of these things, right? Our knowledge of kingdom and, and government entities and our knowledge of citizenship to illuminate for us how our status as the kingdom um, helps us understand how to walk this thing out. So we're going to use our knowledge of these things to see what God can make plain to us, to see what God is going to reveal to us. So I really need you to engage because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about the things that make sense based on the knowledge we already have, based on the things we've already experienced, right? And so, so what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to title this How to Walk It Out, Kingdom Edition, there's five things I want to talk to you about. Um, and just so you know, each one of these could be its own sermon. But I'm not going to do that to y'all. Um, I'm going to be as brief as I can. Uh, but, but also, no, I'm not going to give the who, what, when, where, why of each of these things uh, because of time. And then also just know that some of these things to you might seem simple, right? Um, but the reality is it may seem simple in concept and in knowledge, but it's another thing to walk that thing out. Show me where you're walking these things out. Show me where you're applying these things to your life. And so I say that to say whether it's simple to you or not, I challenge you to think about, man, are you actually walking this thing out? And if you're not walking this thing out, I encourage you to do so. So here we go. And I'm going to need your help because I'm going to need you to stay engaged with me um, because I'm not necessarily preaching through a text. I'm listing these five things. So I need you to stay engaged with me. So the, the, the first one is uh, you have to commit yourself to the way. Please say the way. Oh, thank you so much for indulging me in that. So listen, so we today, we can call ourselves Christians. Followers of Jesus, we refer to ourselves as Christians. But, but the, the earliest followers of Jesus um, did not call themselves Christians at all. And so as we call ourselves Christians, um, sometimes we call ourselves Christians and, and our faith doesn't go beyond um, our denomination or our church affiliation or a, a group that we're a part of, right? Sometimes when we call ourselves Christians, it's only because of the name. And so we are nominal Christians. So the reality is, though, when it comes to citizenship, there's no such thing as nominal citizenship. Right? You, you can't just be a citizen by name. You can't just be in this country and claim to be a citizen because at some point you're going to come up against something that you're going to need. And because you don't have citizenship, you won't be able to access it. There's no such thing as nominal citizenship for a country. And also, I would say the same thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as a nominal citizen of the kingdom of God. Right? You have to be about that life. 
That's what I like to say. You ain't about that life. I see somebody say, oh, you ain't really about that life, are you? You have to be about that life if you are going to be a citizen of the kingdom. And for us, right, our status as citizens depends on our willingness to allow Jesus' authority to reign in our hearts and our lives, which should have an impact on, on how we live. So, so, so what happened, I said this earlier, so the earliest believers, they weren't called Christians. Um, they were called people of the way. And what that meant was that people would see how they lived their lives. People would see their lifestyle, and they would say, oh, oh, those are, those are people, those are people of the way. And it was more than just external behavior. We're used to that when it comes to um, religion, right? We, we've been marching through that when it comes to Luke. We saw the Pharisees. We saw them living out and, and enforcing the Mosaic law, right? Uh, and so it's different than an external uh, moral behavior. It's different than necessarily following the law. This, this, the way is informed um, by people that, that uh, have given themselves to Jesus, are under his authority, their heart and their lives. Those are people of the way. And the thing that's interesting is it was other people that would identify that they are people of the way. Not necessarily me saying, oh, yeah, I'm a person of the way, right? Um, but no, other people would see it in them. And so something for you to consider today is if someone had a front row seat of, of your life, if someone had a front row seat of, of your lifestyle, would they identify you as a person of the way? And listen, we can't take for granted that we know what it means to be under Jesus' authority, right? So we, we must have a commitment to seek out, oh, what are the implications of me being under the authority of Jesus? That means we have to, we have to read God's word. We have to be committed to God's word. And so last week, Jordan did a great job in Colossians 3. Talked about the things that we have to put on, right? He talked about we got to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and then above all else, we have to put on love. So in order for us to be committed to the way, if, we, if we're committed to the way and we, and we see that list of things that Scripture says, hey, put this on, we have to then assess our lives to say, oh, does my life match up with this? And if it doesn't, there needs to be some level of intensity to close the gap between what Scripture says my life should be like under the authority of Jesus and in the way that my life truly is. i got to go pursue that thing. And that's what it means to be committed to the way. So there you go. That's number one. That's probably the longest one. I might start feeling good about number five, but that's number one. Uh, I got up a little late, so I'm going to try to keep this thing moving. So, so that's number one. Number two is this. Uh, understand that your citizenship requires a new perspective. Please say new perspective. Thank you. So listen, we underestimate the implications of our citizenship. Because check this out. Engage your brain here, right? If, if, if you uh, left the United States and you went to another country, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about like a, a country of the West where maybe there may be similarities in culture. Like, no, 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 no. You got, you got planets somewhere else like, like India or China or Nigeria. If you just got planet there, right, um, how much about your life would change? How much would things be different? I remember, I, I maybe shared the story before I went to Haiti several years ago. I go to Haiti, and we're in Port-au-Prince, I'm in the airport. As soon as I get in the airport, I have um, the luggage. There was a group of us, it's, it's on a cart. And, um, and I get bombarded with people trying to, 
to take care of my luggage. And I'm like, no, thank you, right? I know you don't speak the language that I speak, but I know you understand. No. I said no. And they kept coming. And I'm like, yo, I'm about to throw hands, and I'm not even at the airport. Like, it was really serious, right? Because it was different there. There's, there's a different hustle mentality when it comes to Haiti. And then we leave Haiti. I mean, we leave Port-au-Prince, and we get on the streets, and, and, and there's not necessarily stop signs. There's not necessarily uh, a, a stoplight. There's not necessarily even um, uh, a, right, a right side of the road to drive on, right? You talk about getting cut off uh, here in America. You, you would hate being in Haiti because you got motorcycles just zipping around, zip, 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 flying and, and taking folks everywhere, right? That's, that's what it is. And so you got currency. You got, got money exchanged. I don't want to get hustled. I don't want to lose my money because someone says this is how much something is in America dollars when they ripping me off, right? Um, even the, the food was the food was different, but but even if I did find something that I enjoyed, like chicken, chicken, I'm expecting a wing, I'm expecting a breast, I'm expecting a thigh. Them jokers just cut the chicken up. You don't know what part of the chicken you eat. You could have white and dark meat in the same piece, right? That's just the way it was. That's how different it was for, for me in Haiti in a different country. So likewise with us as we are in the kingdom of God. Things are different, right? There's, there's relationships are different. Uh, how we recreate ourselves is different. The things that we value is different. The, the how we spend our time, how we spend our money, it's all different. It's like when you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, you have a completely different lens through which you view life. And you have to understand the, the, the wide scope of citizenship in the kingdom, because if you don't, you would be, what, disoriented, right? And you would be frustrated. So you have to understand that being a kingdom citizen, you have to have a totally new perspective. That's number two. Number three, you have to remember that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Somebody say remember. So here's why you have to remember, because there is this, there is this aspect of God's kingdom that is, is, is not of this world, right? Right now, it's in the, it's in the spiritual realm. But, but so even though we're citizens of the kingdom, we're still here in this place on earth, in this world. So there's, there are certain customs. There are certain uh, traditions. There are certain norms. We're still dealing with the problem of sin. And so, uh, man, and life is at the same time coming at you really fast. And, that, and it's, not, it's easy sometimes to re- forget that you are actually a citizen of the kingdom because everything that's happening around you. And we have to remember, like, oh, shucks, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Let me not cuss this person out. We have to re- remember what it, what, what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom. And so what we have to do is we have to carve out time um, and build it into our lives so we have the opportunity to reflect and examine our lives. Because what will happen is we'll look up and we're not where we want to be. So we have to carve our time and, and pay attention to our emotions, for example. What, what are we feeling? And, and let's trace that thing down to the root. Why are we feeling the way that we're feeling? We have to look at the, the way. We have to look at the, the lifestyle that Jesus outlines for us as far as what it looks like for us to be under his authority. And we have to say, man, is my life in alignment? Does it match up, right? And if not, I need to recalibrate. If not, I need to close the gap and have an intensity about it, right? We need to examine our hearts and and come to understand, like, oh, man, are there areas of my heart where I am not under the authority of Jesus? 
And if you don't carve out time to, to reflect and have this sort of introspection in a way, you will forget what your uh, kingdom citizenship, uh, what, what it means for your life. And you'll look up and you're not acting um, as a kingdom citizen. So you have to carve out time to remember. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine. He loves the Lord. He said, Leonard, I feel like my life is out of control. He said, I feel like I'm trapped in my own life. So we had a conversation, and the conversation was about, man, um, listen, under God's authority, you have to begin to understand uh, man, w- what is yours to do, and, and then what's, what is it for the Lord to do? What are the things you control, and what are the things that you're going to have to trust the Lord in? And then you're going to have to carve out time to remember and to realign yourself with what it means to be a kingdom citizen. I didn't use that language because he didn't know nothing about my sermon, but, but so many words. Same thing, right? You have to carve out time to, to realign and get your act together. Right? So, listen, as kingdom citizens, we have to remember. Okay, number four. We have to pursue life together with other citizens. Say life together. Uh, See, y'all know that one. See, that was a little bit more strong. We've been saying that. Y'all got that down. Listen, check this out. Um, So, I just mentioned, we just talked about, like, if you're in another country, right? We We just mentioned that. If you're in a different country, what did I say? India, China, like, uh, Nigeria, how, how crucial, how important is it for you to find someone else at least of your same culture, ethnic background, or at least like the same language? And, and, and don't think about this like a trip that you normally take where you've planned some things out and you've, and you've lined some things up. Like, no, you, you're, you're dropped into a country. How crucial would it be for you to find someone, someone that, that man, that, that there's some shared experience, we, we both have experienced citizenship from the same place. Like, how long would you survive without relationship with someone like that? I mean, when we went to Haiti, I was going with a group of people. So, you know, it was there. And then people in our group, they had experience in Haiti. They knew how to move in Haiti. They knew what this thing was all about. So then how much more then should we as kingdom citizens, a part of a totally different world, how much more then should we take advantage of relationship of other citizens that are in the kingdom? Listen, I, listen I, this isn't just a thing in Haiti. This is a thing for me in Illinois, right? If I see somebody with a, a Kansas City paraphernalia, whatever it is, yo, what you, hey, are you from Kansas City? How long you been here? And then we're going to have a conversation right off the bat. Now, now, we may not have nothing else in common. Had I seen this person in Kansas City, I probably wouldn't have said nothing to him. But because we're both in a foreign land in Illinois, <laughs> if I see somebody with some, KCA, hey, what's up, Doc? You doing all right? You from again? Oh, man, where you from? You from the south side, north side? Are you north of the river? Oh, okay. You know, and it's a whole conversation. Man, I got to give you a heads up, man, about things in Illinois. I got to give you a heads up about these toes, Doc. Get those toes figured out. I got to get your heads about these property taxes, but they're going to get you. And we can, we can talk together about how the challenges it is in living in this great state of Illinois. Because we have commonality, right? That is a thing. And so, listen, for us, we have to link together with other kingdom citizens, right? That's why it's so important for us to, to go to our, our learning havens. Shout out to learning havens, right? You, I, said this, I said this to the folks that came to the family meeting last week. 
You think this is good and the worship is good. I'm not saying it's not. You know, the Lord does some things up here, right? But this is just an appetizer. If you want a richer experience, come to a haven where you connect, where you hear people's stories, where, where you get a chance to, to see how other people are walking this thing out, when you get a chance to, to see what the Lord is doing in someone else's life, and all of a sudden you come into a place where you were weary and, and, and you were limping as it relates to this life in Jesus Christ, and then you may be strengthened by another brother, another sister, and what the Lord is doing in their life. Like, that's when it's rich. But that's what this thing is all about. And then also you're in here. Right, week after week, and how much can we, how much more can we take advantage of the opportunities that we have in this place to connect with folk, right? Don't just come in, have a seat, say hi. I can do that all day long, by the way. Like I can I can do the small talk. Hey, what's up, bro? You doing good? You had a good week? Man, that's good, man. I can't wait for worship today. It's gonna be good. Like, all right, man, you enjoy worship. I can do that with the best of them. But what about the opportunity that you have to really connect, to be curious, and to, to form a relationship with people? Like that's what that's what this thing is all about. So that's number four. Then number five, this is my final one. Believe by faith when you face tribulations. Somebody says, believe by faith. Listen to me. So, and this is, listen, this is, the, this is the hardest work. I'm telling you, this is the hardest work of, of walking this thing out. It, it, it's not necessarily like, my lifestyle and conforming to, and the, the, Jesus does have a standard. I don't want you to hear me wrong. Jesus has a standard, but it, it's, it's not so much about me conforming to this, this moral standard and, and, and me managing my external appearance or, or my external veneer and how people perceive me, right? That's the thing. But it's more about believing by faith than anything. The hard work, I'm just telling you, because I know. So I know that I'm telling the truth. The hard work of Walking this thing out is believing by faith. Because also, let's check this out. Um, this won't come up on the screen. This will just be here in Acts 14, 22. Paul's on a missionary journey. Oh, yeah, it is there. Okay. Paul's on a missionary journey. And uh, he already he kind of went through once, and he's kind of circling back through the same towns. And here's what Paul is doing. He's strengthening the souls of the disciples. He's encouraging them to continue in faith. And he's saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. He's telling you that being a part of the kingdom involves many tribulations. And so when you face these tribulations, when you face these challenges, whether it's in, whether it's in unmet expectations, whether it's in, in, in suffering, whether it's in broken relationships, whether it's in financial struggle, whatever your tribulation is, when you face these things that you will face, some of you are facing them right now, you have to believe by faith. Faith being this, we'll talk about it in this context. Faith is the reality of God's promises. So I'm missing, I'm missing a couple promises. So, the, so Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, it begins in 5. And then in, in chapter 6, he talks about being anxious. He says, hey, don't, don't be anxious. He says, hey, you see, the, you see the birds, you see the lilies, you see the grass. And he says, aren't they living good? Basically, my paraphrase. Um, and so how much more? You being my children, how much more then will I take care of you? And then it ends on this familiar verse. I don't think this is up there, but you should know it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's a promise. 
He says he, in Matthew, Matthew keeps going, right? Matthew is breaking down the kingdom and what the kingdom of God is like. Matthew 13, uh, verse 44 says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. This idea that, man, there's a treasure on, 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 the, on the, a particular field. Oh, y'all don't know. So I got to know. I can go grab that thing. Oh, all this got to go. Sell my house, my car, right? My possessions. Let me raise up this money. Because think about it, right? It would make sense because if you acquire the land that the treasure's on, you would surpass what you just, what your life, what your previous life was worth. So when it comes to the kingdom, it's so valuable that what, 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 uh, what Jesus is saying here is you can forsake your entire life, but if you have the kingdom, like if you had a choice between the two, if I, if I had a choice between keeping my life and everything the way it is, or I could just have the kingdom of God, psh, easy decision intellectually. Yo, take the kingdom. That's what he's saying. And so as he's describing the kingdom He's making a promise about the nature and the value of the kingdom. So listen, so we'll go to the part two. That's the faith aspect of it. Let's go to the believing aspect of it. Believing is accepting and choosing to act solely based on his reality instead of responding to factual but false reality that's around us. It is not, it is not denying this world's reality, but rather choosing to count faith's reality as more real. I've said this before. I, I really only got about three sermons, y'all, to be honest with you guys. The things I keep saying over and over and over, I just get opportunities to say them at different times. This is one of them. I've talked about this before. We have what we experience in the world, but what Jesus promises us, the believing aspect of it is counting it more real than the things that we face. And then, and then uh, those were general promises that, that I listed, right? But what is the specific promise that you hold on to? What's the specific promise that, that Jesus said that you need to hold on to and that you need to, to cling to? And a lot of times when it comes to our faith, sometimes we, we either don't have faith or we just are not knowledgeable about the promises of God, right? But, but what is the promise that, that Jesus has, has promised you? What's the thing that he's spoken to you? And what do you got to do for that promise to be more real than the things you perceive on a regular basis? So when troubles come, when, when trials come, when tribulations come, you do the hard work of believing by faith and whatever, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's doing affirmations, whether, whether it's a quiet time, whether it's posting Bible verses everywhere throughout your house, or what, whatever it is, you got to do what you got to do to make that your reality. And I'm telling you, that's the hardest work in this faith journey, believing by faith. And then I'm going to mess you up even more because check this out. In Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, the writer says that there were people that, that did not receive the promise. They died before receiving the promise. And that's a real thing. You got to wrestle with that. There's promises that people died before receiving the promise. But then it says, but God has something better in mind. God has something better. Because the reality is this. Jesus is going to come back again. And he says in his word that we are going to be co-heirs with him. 
It says that we are going to rule and we're going to reign with him. We're going to have unfettered access to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We're going to have a, a significant and, and intimate relationship with the Alpha and the Omega. And this is so significant that, that Paul says what we experience now, oh, these are but light and momentary afflictions compared to our eternal reign in the dynasty of God. And so we have to understand ultimately that as kingdom citizens, this place is not our home. And we have to reorient our lives and our perspective to that reality. And we got to believe that thing by faith. There are some things that I literally say, I'm going to just experience that in glory. Because I'm not going to get that right now. But give me that all day long. We have to believe by faith. So that's it. So when it comes to walking this thing out, those, those, those five things, right? Commit yourself to the way. Understand that your citizenship requires a new perspective. Remember you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Pursue life together with other, other citizens and believe by faith when you face tribulations. Listen, as I wrap up, it was, it was God's plan the entire time. It was God's plan the entire time for us to be under his authority and for us to reign with him when he comes back. And I know that as we experience the, the, uh, the now but, the, but, not, but not yet, right, um, as we experience tension and, and being a part of a spiritual kingdom but, but residing in, in this world, I know we desire peace. I know we desire rest. I know that, that, that we get weary with the tension of and kind of being in two worlds. I know that we're, we're foreigners, we're strangers, we're, we're aliens to this place. But we are foreigners and strangers and aliens with a hope. We're not without hope. We have hope. Because what I didn't get a chance to talk about was this aspect of being a kingdom citizen. You have power. And you represent God, and we are part of loving the folks. We, we're trying to gather folks together. We're trying to get the family together. We're trying to share our lives with people so that they can be in the kingdom with us. Hey, you can be a citizen along with me, and we can be together, and we can enjoy God, Jesus, together. That's what our lives are about. And it's in that life. Like, that's the best life. That's the life where there's joy. That's the life where there's satisfaction. That's the life where there's, where there's true contentment. And that's what's available to us as kingdom citizens. So let's stand as, as we get out, and I'll just say a few words and then say a prayer, and we'll, be, we'll get out of here. But as, as, you, as you go from this place today and live out your lives, may you reaffirm your kingdom citizenship. May you reaffirm the fact that, yeah, Lord, I am under your authority. And may you pursue the implications that that has for your life. And everywhere you go, may you be committed to bringing order to chaos. May you be committed to bringing light in dark places. Will you be committed to living your life in such a way that people get a chance to see what life in Jesus is like. 
They can see it in the flesh. They don't have to read a Bible. They can look at your life. And would you make room in your life for those people so that they can see relationship with Jesus up close and personal? Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, we thank you that you have this kingdom invitation for us to invite us to participate along with you in building your kingdom. So, Lord, I just pray that that your Holy Spirit inside of us would would help us with the things that we heard today, that would would help us remember, would help us to, to, to live according to the way, would help us to search the areas in our life that's that's out of alignment, would help us to live in community with other citizens of the kingdom, Lord. Give us the strength, give us the courage, give us everything that we need to make this lifestyle a reality. And Lord, we're just grateful for all that you're going to do. We're just grateful for all the ways that you're going to use us to bless the people that surround us. So be with us today. Holy Spirit, be present in us. Manifest your presence in our lives, in our, in our spirits, in our hearts, so we can be kingdom citizens. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray all these things against in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace. We'll see you next week. <laughs>